0: Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up.
1: Hey, really glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. I wish we had good martinis for you today. We have zero of those, but we do have three stories Uh, That definitely deserves some attention. Uh, Jim, we haven't talked about the January 6th commission on uh, Capitol Hill for a while, and there's a good reason for that. Uh, While we certainly had plenty to say about the January 6th riots when they happened and how uh, disgusting they were, and if people committed crimes, they should be prosecuted for them, uh, this committee has turned into an absolute partisan circus, and they've decided to take that to primetime. So Thursday night, uh, I believe at least CNN and uh, MSNBC, and I think maybe even ABC and CBS are going to go live uh, with these hearings. Uh, the Democrats are promising a lot more detail about how deeply interwoven this conspiracy was, but as we um Potentially get ready for that. I might have to wash my hair that night. We'll see. The clues are coming out here about what's really happening. So, uh, first of all, the New York Times uh, putting out in uh, the subhead of their story today. uh, The headline says January 6th hearings give Democrats a chance to recast midterm message. Subhead, with their majority at stake, Democrats plan to use the six high-profile hearings to refocus voters' attention on Republicans' role in the attack. So, you know, it's real serious about getting to the facts in an impartial way. It's not about scoring political points ahead of an election at all. Uh, Meanwhile, you've got Jamie Raskin, who's a prominent figure here. In fact, he might even be the chairman of this thing, which the fact that I don't know that shows you how little I pay attention. But nonetheless, he's a curious choice for that position since, you know, in January of 2017, he tried to overturn the results of the 2016 election. So not sure he's the most consistent person on this. But he also thinks uh, this is a great time to, you know, scrap the Electoral College. Here's what he told The Washington Post. You know, totally apart from all of this, I've taken a position that the Electoral College is an undemocratic relic of the early Constitution, just like uh, the state legislature's selection of U.S. senators, which is something we got rid of in uh, 1913 with the 17th Amendment, just like the exclusion of women from voting, which we got rid of um, in 1920 in the 19th Amendment. So, um, you know, we didn't start out with Lincoln's beautiful vision of government, of the people, by the people, for the people. We started out as a slave republic of white male property owners. But it's been through social and historical and political struggle that we've opened America up. Jim, I don't know how you feel, but uh, trying to uh, defend the 17th Amendment to me is a total non-starter. The Constitution had it right in the first place, in my opinion, but uh, how the senators are chosen has been established now for over 100 years. Uh, But what do you make about how the Democrats are uh, using this to uh, project a message for the midterms and uh, maybe even gut the Constitution, as opposed to uh, what their alleged purpose is, was to uh, get to the bottom of what happened on January 6th?
2: I was going to say, Greg, the... The events of January 6th were absolutely appalling and terrible and deserve a full, clear, and thorough investigation. A lot of questions remain. Just, just how did it happen that it shook out as badly as it did? Why was the U.S. Capitol Police not prepared? Why was the National Guard not deployed sooner? What did the White House know? What did President Trump know? What did President Trump expect? What was the president doing hour by hour uh, since there have been claims that he was... Uh, at minimum not upset about uh, crowds of his supporters tearing through the Capitol and things like that. I'd like to get the bottom of all that. I think the hard lesson of these bipartisan commissions, thinking back to the 9/11 Commission and things like that if you have retired lawmakers, maybe you have a slightly better chance of bipartisan comity and cooperation and things like that. It's very tough to avoid the usual grandstanding when it's by members of Congress all of whom are keeping an eye on you know either, Uh, getting reelected or their future ambitions or things like that. And almost inevitably you end up with something akin to mission creep. Before I get into that, Greg, although I want to point out. So the first hearing is Thursday, June 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Am I correct? I believe that's correct. Yes. Okay. 9 p.m. Actually, I was. guess Wednesday night is the uh, game three of the NBA series. However, on Monday, June 13th is when they're having the second night of hearings and one after one hour after the hearings start, the Celtics and Warriors will be having game five. Um, I would not schedule my big hearings opposite the NBA Finals. That's just me. I just kind of think if you know you want to have, uh, you want to be up against as many summer reruns as possible rather than something like that. Maybe it's different demographics likely to watch this. But clearly the, the folks on the panel, particularly the Democrats on the panel, want this to have the biggest audience possible. They want to get the public's attention. Um, I think having Raskin go off message and go well beyond the 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 mission of this commission to say, well, actually, I think also while we're at it, here's how I'd rewrite the Constitution is not good. I think it adds to the they're already, you know, first of all, uh, I think it was Eric Erickson who said if the country can move on from a terrible mass shooting at an elementary school. The country is going to move on from January 6th. We already have problems like high gas prices, high inflation, things like that. People are not thinking about January 6th very much. I don't think people are going to be thinking about January 6th very much when they head into the the, uh, ballot boxes in November. Um, The other thing is, is that if you're the Democrats and you want to make the case to the persuadables and God knows how many persuadables are left anymore. But if you wanna make your case to centrist, moderate Republicans and anybody else in MAGA world who's willing to listen to say, hey, this was a really terrible event. And if you wanna make the argument that this is President Trump's uh, fault, then you gotta stick to the facts. You gotta not indulge your inner partisan. You gotta not get hyperbolic in your rhetoric. And you really can't go for this usual, you know, liberal progressive proposals of how to completely overturn the way we've done elections for the entirety of the history of this country. It is a quick and easy way to get people to dismiss it and say, "Up oh, there they go again. It's the same old, you know, liberal, progressive stuff. And what's more, one of the few Republicans on this commission is Liz Cheney. House Republicans voted not to cooperate. They did not expect this to be anything other than a, part of anything other than a partisan sideshow. Look at what we got. But Liz Cheney represents Wyoming. Greg, do you think someone from Wyoming would love the idea of getting rid of the Electoral College? <laughs> I don't think so. Right. I mean, Wyoming is barely oh, is barely more than an afterthought as is. Right. But the moment you turn this into a popular vote, nobody's going to care about any of the least popular states, which is exactly the scenario the founding fathers wanted. There is a reason that one house has all of it, its proportion by population and one house, every state is equal. Everybody gets two, whether you're Wyoming or whether you're California or Florida or whatever. That's that's the nature of the beast. That's why we set it up this way. It's not meant to be That uh, in the Senate, you know, uh, you know, more populous states get more votes. That's what the House is for. And all these people, they, they, you know, flunked constitutional law, apparently. Raskin knows what he's doing. I think I guess he's just got so little impulse control. He can't help himself. And it appears he's alienating Liz Cheney and somebody who presumably would be on his, you know, Uh, on a very similar page for all the other stuff he wants to do so at this point it looks like it's going to be a partisan sideshow and uh it's kind of you know not good for the country it could have been a useful a useful exercise but uh, at this point it looks like it's going to be the usual partisan rah-rah session
1: well jim you mentioned that the republicans decided not to uh, cooperate that's true to a point remember kevin mccarthy tried to seat republicans on this committee even though he did think it was going to be a sideshow and then nancy pelosi said jim banks jim jordan and i think there might have been one other person you can't be on this committee and that's the point where the Republicans said, yep. OK, this is absolutely a waste of our time. Uh, and then Pelosi poached Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger because they happened to agree with the Democrats uh, on what the the proper consequences here should have been at the time and, and perhaps ought to be moving forward outside of the Electoral College. Cheney has pushed back on that. But, uh, yeah, you. this is basically a grand jury that you're going to hear in these hearings if you bother to tune in. It's only one side uh, of everything. And ultimately, it's to, uh, I, I think— Make a, a deep pitch from the Democratic perspective for their uh, their their voting legislation, their election uh, federalizing legislation, and if Jamie Raskin gets his way, uh, to just uh, go with the uh, popular vote. But obviously, that would require a constitutional amendment, so I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But uh, yeah, the idea that you're going to get an honest look at the facts here is absurd. Even though the media is going to you know lap this up every minute of it. Uh, but anyway, while you're doing something else, uh, probably during those hearings, uh, be careful about where you're going online. I don't know about you, Jim, but whenever I'm at a, at a hotel or some other place and you try to get on the Wi-Fi and there's no password required, and you just kind of shudder a little bit of like, OK, uh, how secure is this right now? I'm not sure I even want to use this. Uh, but that's the way, you know, your life can be on a moment to moment basis if you're not using Express VPN. It's kind of like going to the local coffee shop and then realizing, oh, I left something in the car and going to get that for a couple of minutes chances are your laptop's still going to be there but one day it just might not be and so uh that's kind of the risk you're running if you're not using expressvpn because every time you connect to an unencrypted network uh, regardless of whether it's a cafe hotel somewhere else any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data passwords financial details whatever it doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack someone all you need is some cheap hardware And a smart 12-year-old could probably do it. Plus, your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling your personal info on the dark web.
2: Greg, I think I know one of those smart (laughs) 12-year-olds. I don't trust him. Why use ExpressVPN? Well, it creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the Internet so that hackers can't steal your sensitive data. It's super secure. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer more than a billion years, that's billion with a B, to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. It's easy to use. You just fire up the app and click one button to get protected. And it works on all your devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more, so you can stay secure when you're on the go.
1: It's easy to use and it works. There's nothing more that you really need to know except for the fact that you can get a great deal if you use our code. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com/martini. That's exp slash s v p n.com/martini and you can get an extra 3 months free. expressvpn.com/martini. Right on 4Patriots. Fantastic sponsor. Find them at 4Patriots.com martini. Uh, the great deal going on right now, the free solar panel that comes with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, and of course, their ongoing deal, free shipping on orders over $97. The key is to be prepared. Uh, you don't know when your power is going out. When you're prepared, you don't have to wait for the power company to turn the, the juice back on, and your appliances can be running while everybody else is waiting on pins and needles. The new uh, Patriot Power Generator 2000X 2000X has double the capacity uh, and is expandable so you can run the big appliances. Comes with 12 outlets, including 4AC plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster. Also, don't forget about the uh, deals that are ending soon. Uh, the Solar Go Fridge, the Sauna Wrap Therapeutic Blanket, and so much more. Visit 4 Martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini All right, Jim, on to our first crazy martini here. And it's been a long time since you and I have seen or heard from Dan Pfeiffer, former communications director for President Obama. I have not missed him. And after this comment, I don't expect to miss him until the next time he pops up. Uh, He was uh, on MSNBC and he was uh, decrying the disparity in online and social media engagement between some prominent voices on the right and some uh, liberal institutions in the media. And specifically, he's talking about Ben Shapiro and comparing them to the New York Times and CNN. And Jim, apparently, he thinks this is like the most dire thing that could ever happen to this country. Take a listen. If you go to Facebook on a daily basis, the most, the posts with the most engagement are from Dan Shapiro. Ben Shapiro, Dan Bongino, Candace Owens, it is right-wing content. It dwarfs progressive content. It dwarfs mainstream media content, which actually should be the part that scares us the most, that Ben Shapiro's Daily Wire has more followers and engagement, many times more than The New York Times or CNN. That is a problem for democracy. Why is that a problem for democracy, Jim? Uh, It's the free exchange of ideas. Is Dan Pfeiffer worried that uh, the narrative might be uh, contradicted?
2: You know, Greg, there are a lot of reasons to object to what he says. But the first one that kind of crossed my mind, so let's look at the demographics of who uses Facebook and let's compare it to the demographics of, say, who uses TikTok or Twitter or something like that. Could it possibly be that Facebook is used by more older Americans? Could it be that Facebook is used by more, uh, you know, conservative Americans, people who are more inclined to enjoy a Ben Shapiro or Dan Bongino or something like that? And if that's the case, it's not the algorithm. It's not some sinister plot by Mark Zuckerberg, who, oh, by the way, donates lots of money to Democrats. Mm-hmm. The idea that Mark Zuckerberg is, you know, eager to uh, turn America into a, you know, Ben Shapiro land is not particularly convincing to me. Uh, <laughs> this is Democrats being unpopular, and concluding, well, the reason we're unpopular can't have anything to do with gas prices, inflation, an insecure border, or any of the problems people are actually talking about. People, you know, we talked about the polling in in almost every one of these episodes. It can't have anything to do with that. It's got to be because they're being brainwashed by the Ben Shapiros and Dan Baginos and uh, folks like that of the world. The other thing I'm going to note is that when he says, ah, you know, mainstream institutions don't get enough uh, uh, traffic on Facebook and stuff. Well, I mean, like, maybe that's something to do with the content of these mainstream institutions. Maybe you know, like, is it possible they're boring is you know, also compare what they're getting on various other social media platforms. But the thing is, is that Facebook um, is Facebook is not text heavy, right? Facebook is, you know, you know I don't think any of the social media uh, platforms are particularly tech heavy, uh, What you often see is memes, right? You see, you know, it's got to have a very strong visual element. TikTok is entirely videos, right? Twitter is you know, about 280 characters at most. And uh Uh, very often there's a link to something and a a picture or something like that. So my suspicion is, is that Ben Shapiro, Don ben and all these other conservative voices that Dan Pfeiffer finds so terrifying, they're just better at packaging their content and their thoughts and what they write and what they do for the Facebook audience and for the platform that it's on than the mainstream media is. So don't, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game.
1: (laughs) It's exactly true. Plus, Ben Shapiro will maximize the time you spend listening because he can speak about four times faster uh, than everybody else. (laughs) So you get that much more content uh, compared to uh, the CNNs. And the New York Times out there, and if you play them on double speed, you know, good luck to you. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, punishing people for for doing what's right. Uh, we we must intervene if people are listening to people that I wish they weren't. That's pretty much the message Dan Pfeiffer's got going on there, and it's not a good one. But uh, speaking of people named Ben, I was wrong about who chairs the uh, January sixth Commission. It's actually uh, Benny Thompson of uh, Mississippi, apparently, who. Who chairs that? So anyway, uh, let's talk about another great sponsor. The Three Martini Lunch, also brought to you today by NetChoice. As Americans, innovation has always been what makes us different. America's tech industry outpaces the world. We have the most innovative companies that power our economy and our way of life. And why? Free market innovation. That's what makes us number
2: one. But some in Washington want to put big government in charge of America's top innovators, and they're attacking our own in the name of competition, while our true competitors like Europe and China are closing the gap. NetChoice believes congressional conservatives must stand up for American innovation, not big government, by rejecting progressive antitrust proposals. They encourage you to tell your senator to oppose Senator Amy Klobuchar's Senate Resolution 2992.
1: We should be pretty much conditioned at this point to oppose most things coming from Amy Klobuchar. But, lo- <laughs> but learn more about this fight and send and a letter. A duck. <laughs> yes, the duck. Especially if there's a stapler involved. Uh, learn more about this fight and send a letter to your representatives at netchoice.org slash 2992. This message was brought to you by NetChoice.
0: Did a bad
2: accounting rule lead to the 2008 financial crisis? I'm Bill Walton. On the latest edition of The Bill Walton Show, I'll tackle that question. I'll also share my insights from decades in the private equity world and explain what it takes to be successful. Join John Tamney of Real Clear Markets and me as we break down the memoir of Blackstone Stephen Schwarzman. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts
1: All right, Jim, on to our final martini, and this one's definitely crazy. There's so many tentacles to this one now, Jim. I'm not even sure where to start, and I'm sure I'll leave part of this out because there's a number of factors here. Let's start with Dave Weigel. Dave Weigel is a uh, guy who I think was originally labeled as a conservative columnist for the Washington Post, but Jen Rubens also had that label, so they really don't know what it means. But nonetheless, I don't think he had that label anymore, and he generally reports on um, political races. Uh, He generally likes to make a lot of jokes about waiting for crucial Waukesha County uh, votes to come in and so forth, even on things that have nothing to do with Wisconsin. Last week, he retweeted a message that was obviously meant in jest, but uh, was not taken well by his colleagues. It basically said, and if you have kids nearby, you might want to pause this real quick, but the the message was essentially, all women are bi, it's just a matter of whether they're polar or sexual. And obviously that's not true, and obviously uh, it could uh, be taken the wrong way. And it certainly was by Felicia Somnez, if that's how her last name is pronounced at the Washington Post. She decided to call him out publicly, uh, and ultimately, Dave uh, Weigel uh, profusely apologized. He took it down. He's now been suspended for uh, pretty much a month. I think July 5th is when he's expected back on the job. Meanwhile, other people criticized Somnez for uh, going public with her criticism of a colleague. So now she's asking for the Washington Post uh, HR department to discipline those people. Uh, the HR department itself and one of the editors came out and said, That uh, if you have these problems, that you should go directly to management with these, you know, not work it out yourselves, take it to management. Uh, But I think the main message there was to not do it publicly. And then, of course, while all of this is playing out, Jim, you've got another doozy from Taylor Lorenz, who was uh, doing a story about... um YouTube and claiming that she had reached out to people for comment. And it turns out she only reached out for comment after her uh, story was posted. And the people that she said she had <laughs> reached out for comment uh, pointed out that she hadn't. And so then there was a scramble to make corrections and edits and all sorts of other things. So the inmates are clearly running the asylum at the Washington Post. So, how much does this matter?
2: Probably, you know, in the grand scheme of things, not a lot. But on the other hand, if you're in the media business, this does seem like a a significant deal. Uh, I've known Dave Weigel actually for a very long time. I haven't talked to him in a long while. But, you know, he, know, he started out as an intern at USA Today. He was at Reason for a while, which is why people think he's a conservative. I don't think that's really the best label for him um i I think he can be a little idiosyncratic but i I certainly don't think he's a man of the right i don't think he'd ever claim to be a man on the right i think he had a little bit of libertarian instincts from his uh from his recent years Uh, and i think as a reporter he's pretty good i don't agree with everything he writes i don't agree with everything he tweets but you know uh certainly this joke I, i i was you know yes it was a dumb joke and i think the the right response is to come back with some you know men joke like you know why do uh, you know, why is childbirth so painful for women, Craig?
1: Why, Jim?
2: So women can understand what it's like when men have a cold. <laughs> the idea that we're a bunch of wusses who can't handle having a cold and we moan and groan, oh, it's so bad. Take care of me and stuff like that, right? Like, you know, ideally, you're a confident enough person that somebody can make fun of the group you're in and you kind of chuckle and you wash Or if you don't like it, I go, yeah, well, then, well, how about you? What's wrong with you guys? Blah, blah, blah. blah you know, and then you go back to this. Um, It's been kind of fascinating to watch this, and and I was my uh, former colleague. I guess I guess he still writes for National Review. Dan Foster had the observation. Greg, what could you imagine what one of your coworkers would have to do for you to go to your boss and say, "I want this person suspended for a month without pay"? And does retweeting a joke line up uh, to that? You know, it's very hard to imagine. I was just talking with uh, Rich Lowry and Charlie Cook, and we were. trying to think about what would what would i have to do for me to end up in that situation i came to the conclusion greg charlie would have to shoot me (laughs) for me to say yes he should be suspended even then it depends on where he shot me if he just swings me it's two weeks that's fine you know um it's really kind of fascinating what we've seen here is certain employees the washington post who are just on a on a tirade and just on this campaign to get their coworkers punished one for retweeting a dumb joke and then two for having the audacity to disagree with the Felicia's own messes of the world and, and things like that. that um, it's not merely, no, I think you're wrong. It's clearly sexism if you are disagreeing with her on Twitter or something like that. Um, it, it's not just that the inmates run the asylum. I think we saw this going back to when Jeffrey Goldberg hired Kevin Williamson to write for The Atlantic and then certain Atlantic staffers said, I, we can't deal with this. Kevin Williamson's presence makes me feel unsafe. <laughs> and, you know, the right response there is, oh, I'm sorry to hear you feel that way. I made the choice to hire him. He hasn't threatened you. He hasn't done anything, you know, harassing or anything like that. You should try to work with him. And if you really can't, there's the door. You know, I make the decisions about personnel around here. You don't get to exercise a veto by throwing a tantrum. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who have gone into the media who believe that, you know, ultimately these corporations are democracies that everybody gets a say and who gets hired. And that if they object to someone, then they have a chance to do it. Now, one of the great ironies is that Felicia Sonmez then said, you know, that um, you know she regretted, you know, she regretted doing this because she thought of Dave as a good friend. <laughs> Greg and dear listeners, can you imagine the scenario in which you would try to get a good friend suspended from work without pay for a month? And just think about what they'd have to do for you to feel like that was the right outcome. I think we're dealing with people who. Well, first of all, your definition of good friend and my definition of good friend are <laughs> probably not the same. And two, no one's really running the Washington Post. I, I really you know Jeff Bezos, when he returns from space, should come, you know, take a look at this. Say, well, who's running this place? And why are we operating this way? Why are we chasing people at what? Why do we have Dave Weigel not reporting on things when all he did was retweeted, you know, a, a bad joke? If you really think it's a problem, say, don't do that. You really, really have a problem. You come into his office, yell, yell at him a few minutes. He knows not to do it. And then he goes out, goes back to doing his job. But clearly it's almost like a hostage situation over there. And, you know, you got to wonder if that's the mentality, how much actual journalism can they get done?
1: No, it's an excellent point. And why you would go public about it Uh, also, in addition to whining to your boss and demanding consequences is insane. Reminds me also of the New York Times editorial uh, department after the Tom Cotton op-ed about uh, military Mm. coming to Washington, and uh, there was a whole um, uh, revolution in in that room as well. So, yeah, the days of bosses just telling people to, you know, put a cork in it and go back to work, unfortunately, seemed to be over, but things would go a lot more smoothly uh, if they did that. Uh, Just on one nearly irrelevant aside, Jim, Mrs. Corumbus and one of her most... um, Unfortunate discoveries for herself actually stumbled across research uh, not that long ago uh, that proves that uh, colds do hit men harder than women. So I. Um, Aha! Yeah. So I, I, I Wait, used that as a feather in the region. cap and she reluctantly agrees now. So it wasn't something she enjoyed finding, but uh, apparently it's true. So, uh, you know, make the most of it, fellas.
2: You know what it is? Uh, our immune systems are weakened by opening all of those tight jars. <laughs>
1: Reaching high things, killing bugs, and opening jars. Uh, Those are some of the most important jobs we have, right?
2: We know our strengths. We know our our core competencies.
1: (laughs) Anyway, uh, after that, I'm sure we're going to get some tweets. Uh, Jim, (laughs) uh, have a great day and see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Tell a friend about us as well. Uh, Thank you so much for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those are a huge help to us. Get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play 3 Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Tuesday, and please join us again on Wednesday for the next 3 Martini Lunch.
2: Much of the media doesn't cover some of the most important news of the day. I'm Byron York from The Byron York Show. In my latest episodes, I discuss how Biden continues to lose support in the Democratic Party, how the gun control debate is back on Capitol Hill after that school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, and how Biden's new plan to fight inflation is bad, bad, bad. Don't forget to download and subscribe to my daily No Chit Chat podcast. I don't talk about every single issue, just the ones you need to know the most. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts